This is Generation Justice. I'm Erwin Rivera. And I'm Tamara Kalaki. Generation Justice is a multimedia project that trains youth to create media that inspires social change. New Mexico is in a behavioral health crisis. New Mexico does not have a comprehensive and integrated behavioral health system. Generation Justice has spent the last year listening to the stories of our community. In this process, we have conducted over 60 interviews with advocates, providers, and people who use and need behavioral health services. Now, we are excited to present a multimedia campaign called Hashtag NM Speaks Crisis to help highlight the issue and bring community voices together. This campaign, developed from partnerships and collaborations and GJ's Media aims to raise awareness, provide a space where others can tell their stories, and a petition asking policymakers to take action about our behavioral health crisis. Tonight, we bring you some of the voices of our community who help us to understand the problem and raise ideas for solutions as well. Tonight's music is dedicated to anyone that faces the challenges of living with mental illness, a mental health concern. Here is Secrets by Mary Lambert, who is open about her diagnosis of bipolar disorder and has used her music to destigmatize mental illness. Tonight we introduce a multimedia campaign called Hashtag NM Speaks Crisis. This campaign aims to bring awareness on the broken behavioral health system. NM Speaks Crisis has various components to it. One is a petition, identifying gaps in the system and asking for policymakers, particularly NM legislators, to do something to bridge the behavioral health gaps. There are several groups that are a part of this collaboration, including New Mexico Forum for Youth and Community, Breaking the Silence, Native Health Initiative, Pegasus Legal Service for Children, Easter Seals and Mirador, UNM Chicano and Chicano Studies, Commissioner Maggie Hart Stebbins, Bernalillo County Commission District 3, Loud, Leaders Organizing to Unite and Decriminalize, Forward Together, Men of Color Initiative, La Placita Institute, and many more. And now we are joined by Teresa Gonzalez from the La Placita Institute to share the hashtag NM Speaks Crisis petition. New Mexico is in a behavioral health crisis. Our state does not have comprehensive and integrated behavioral health services. Research indicates this is the best approach to helping individuals and families who are in need of behavioral health support. As New Mexicans, we deserve the best. Historically, New Mexico has had challenges in providing comprehensive and integrated services. In 2013, the state audited and accused 15 well-established behavioral health providers of fraud. Services were impacted. Five Arizona companies were then contracted to take over patient care. This resulted in 10,000 less people receiving services between 2012 and 2013, according to the Interagency Behavioral Health Collaborative. Now, two of the Arizona companies have left New Mexico, and our people are again left in the lurch with inconsistent and disconnected services. Generation Justice has spent the last year listening to the stories of our community. 
In this process, we have conducted 60 interviews with advocates, providers, and people who use and need behavioral health services. These are the gaps they shared with us. One, lack of consistent care and therapist. Two, over-medication of patients or the use of only medications without other integrated therapies. Three, shortage of qualified behavioral health professionals, especially bilingual and multicultural clinicians. Four, postponed or delayed psychiatric care due to long waits to see psychiatrists. This creates more problems for patients and can lead to more hospitalizations, emergency utilization, and even arrest. Five, shortage in available drug and alcohol treatment resources due to unnecessary restrictions on Medicaid reimbursement for treatments and providers that are covered by Medicaid in other states. Six, negative stereotypes of mental illness that stigmatize people who need care. Seven, unending wait lists even for people who are in crisis. New Mexicans are suffering from severe gaps in disconnection and services. This must change. We can no longer accept the fact that jails and prisons have become the state's largest providers of behavioral health services. With the 2016 legislative session almost upon us, now is the time for our elected officials to do something. Take action, bridge the gaps. We can't afford to go another year waiting for something to change. It's no secret the best behavioral health systems are the ones providing comprehensive, integrated, and culturally appropriate care for each patient. And this is possible in New Mexico. All New Mexicans deserve the opportunity to live healthy lives. To share your story with New Mexico's behavioral health system or watch the stories of others, please visit generationjustice.org backslash nmspeaks. Thank you, Teresa. You can find the petition on generationjustice.org slash nmspeaks or check out our Facebook page. Also, there is still the opportunity to join us as a collaborator. Contact admin at generationjustice.org. Thanks to La Placita for all the love and energy you have given to this project. We appreciate you greatly. Now, here is Kendrick Lamar with I. Tribulation, but I know God. Satan wanna put me in a bow tie. Pray that the holy water don't go dry. Yeah, yeah. As I look around me, so many motherfuckers don't wanna tell me, but even though they wanna tell me, in front of a dirty double mirror they felt me, and I love myself. The world is a The National Latino Behavioral Health Association, also known as NLBHA, is a key partner on the. Hashtag NM Speaks Crisis Campaign. They're a national organization looking at health disparities and opportunities for the behavioral health of the large Latino population in our country. Fred Sandoval is the operations manager at NLBHA and has been a lifelong advocate for New Mexico's behavioral health system. We're honored to welcome Fred to talk more about the campaign. Here is Tamara Kolaki with Fred Sandoval. This is Tamara Kalaki with Generation Justice. I'm here with Fred Sandoval. Fred is a native New Mexican who has over 27 years professional experience in health and human services. He served as New Mexico's lead on the SAMHSA Eliminating Disparities Policy Academy and is currently a member of the National Network to Eliminate Disparities and the State Coordinators Council of Cultural and Linguistic Competency. 
Fred recently completed two terms as the president of the National Latino Behavioral Health Association, where he currently serves as the operations manager. Is there anything else you would like to share about yourself, Fred? Yeah, sure. I'd like to share something personal. And what I'd like to share is that I have a sister who was diagnosed with uh, chronic paranoid schizophrenia uh, when she was around 21 years of age. And she still suffers from many of the symptoms of that condition now, almost 40 years later. I have a brother who passed away from alcoholism and uh, got to see an incredibly brilliant man uh, lead a very successful life and only to fall to the despair of alcoholism and watched his tragic life end because of that disease and that condition. So it's a, something personal because all the work is one thing, but how it impacts us personally and how it affects our thinking and how we want to then change and want to improve things is because of our personal experiences. So I want to share something personal. Thank you for sharing that with us. Sure. We appreciate it. The behavioral health system in New Mexico has been very challenged, and some would say it's in a crisis. So how would you describe the current status of the New Mexico behavioral health system? The current status really relates to where we've been. So it's important for us to understand that where we're at today isn't something that appeared yesterday or overnight. And this means that there's been a culmination of things that have led us to the point where we're at today. And part of that is... Uh, There's a number of things that have historically transpired over the last 20 years that in part have contributed to a lot of what we're experiencing in New Mexico today. And and I would simply say is that uh, developmentally, the state of New Mexico and its behavioral health service delivery system clearly has ample room for improvements and changes. What are the biggest challenges or gaps in services that need to be addressed in behavioral health? We operate in a behavioral health system that is horrendously underfunded. The data that shows New Mexico ranking at the lowest end of the spectrum across the nation tells you that the per capita spending for mental health and substance abuse services is at the bottom. And while we always talk about how these lists and these rankings play a part, well, it's because the data tells us that, right? And so how can we ignore the fact that if a piece of information is telling us that we're dramatically underfunded, it's a very significant factor as to what services can't be purchased, what services aren't being purchased, how many communities are being ser- aren't being served, and how many individuals are not getting care. And so the one consistent message is that it still remains dramatically underfunded. Definitely agree with that. We need money for services and, and also the people who provide them. What would a integrated and comprehensive behavioral health system look like? So a comprehensive system certainly means several things. It means that there'll be an array of services from early childhood interventions for children, even in the younger ages from zero to five, all the way across the lifespan to people who are going to be in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, and 90s. And in our state in particular and across the nation, we are an aging country. We know that every age group is differently, so a comprehensive system has to look at the entire lifespan. And then it has to have an array of services that meet two things. Uh, It actually meets the needs that are being presented by the families. We have to be able to have services that are way more diverse and much more comprehensive so that there's not just a select group of services uh, that are being offered. The other is to have services that are culturally informed or culturally appropriate. We live in a state where 60-some-odd percent of our state's population is not white. 
And that's the beauty of our state. It's the assets, the cultures, the communities that are here. And what's unique is that the science and the research has never caught up to who we are. Uh, the research that's done on studies of diverse populations is so poorly underfunded. It's inadequate. There are few research uh, programs that actually are designed for our populations. So the evidence-based programs that are developed aren't intended, aren't designed and normed by for diverse and communities of color. So what we have is programs and services that, yeah, science proves that works for some, but it also says the science that for some it doesn't work, and for others it has no effect. So what we need to do is have um, research and the development of programs address the unique needs of diverse populations in our country, not just New Mexico, but across the country. So we have a national policy issue that's in play here, and I want to make sure that we speak to how do we have a comprehensive system, and that's then developing and funding and supporting programs that address the needs of diverse populations. And it's those differences that are very telling about how people seek help, why it is that people seek help in a way that sometimes leads them to come in when they're in crisis, and it's oftentimes because of the gap, the lack of services that are available in rural, tribal, frontier uh, communities. I think that's very important, especially here as a diverse population in general. In New Mexico, culture matters, and it matters greatly. And it also means that, that for people who come seeking services, the acceptability of the healthcare services you provide have to be acceptable and accepted by the people who receive that services. When they're not culturally appropriate, it oftentimes is a variable as to why people don't come back for help or why people will leave because of the nature of your intervention, interactions with them. So people who deliver services in a way that can actually be uh, not just insulting, but culturally insensitive, or that can actually outright diminish people's access to services does occur in our state. It's important that from a healthcare perspective that we're removing barriers and challenges and not imposing them. What are your hopes for the behavioral health system here in New Mexico? That our policymakers do something, and what they do is to actually enact changes that help to incrementally start to improve the system. By doing nothing at all, it actually contributes to the hopelessness of individuals who suffer the behavioral health symptoms and conditions that are present in our state. Every public official and public servant has a responsibility for improving the well-being of our residents and the people who live in our state. And by not fulfilling that, there's something wrong with that picture. And I think it's important that what we do is we speak to it so that what we actually do is uh, have people start to enact a number of things that can be done. Uh, examples of that is starting to ensure that integrated care models are being adopted in our state because they are very effective approaches. It's particularly unique and important to diverse populations to do that. Uh, ensuring that parity for substance abuse and mental health care is taking place. That's another example of how we take hope to actual action. Uh, how do we address the disparities that affect racial and ethnic communities as we start to say we want programs that address those communities and those populations specifically. Uh, we look at the gaps that are happening in rural, tribal, frontier areas. So we say there are gaps there. We are going to look to fill them, not just say that they exist or to look the other way, but to actually do something that fills them. Uh, incentivizing and developing, expanding the behavioral health workforce. Part of what drives our economy is our ability to have a labor force, and we need a labor force in behavioral health like you wouldn't believe. 
There's a shortage in our state across the country, but those are opportunities to have people employed. It helps pe- keep our young adults in New Mexico so we don't have you guys leaving us, right? That we keep you here so that we can actually help our families uh, and looking ways to do that that are innovative and creative. Uh, I would also look to try to expand things that are working, like loan forgiveness programs for behavioral health loans. The biggest burden for students these days are student loans. And so what do we want to do? Reduce the burden of the loan, but do what? Help uh, forgive that loan by having them work in those areas where there are gaps of those workers. Uh, other examples is something innovative that Senator Ortiz Pino is talking about, a behavioral health apprenticeship project. It's a great idea. It's innovative. It talks about how do we take people who are not yet licensed employ them so that they can do two things, uh, be employed to start reading up, being mentored and getting ready to get their licensure so that they can actually get a license and then more importantly, keep them in our state. And then lastly is continuing to expand getting insurance coverage for people in Medicaid, the marketplace and the health plans for employers, et cetera, because that helps for paying for the bills both for the providers and for the families. Because at the end of the day, uh, oftentimes you Mexicans will forego care because of the inability to pay. And if that's the reason why they're not getting care, but it contributes to why we have such poor health indicators, it seems that the system has to eliminate some of the barriers for those families and individuals. So my hope in all of that is that we take incremental steps every time we get a chance in making policy decisions to enact these things because doing nothing at all will make sure that the public health crisis in our state persists because there is absolutely a behavioral health public health crisis in our state. Thank you for sharing that beautiful vision. I think those solutions are very meaningful and thoughtful and I I hope that we start taking those steps now and I'm very ex- excited to see what we all do together collaborating for the betterment of our future. What can the public do to move us toward these needed changes that we're talking about? I think we're at a time in society where our government, our public sector, our public servants have to be mobilized to be able to connect to the families who are experiencing these conditions, these life circumstances, because they happen every single day, and the data proves it, and we know that families are experiencing turmoils and challenges, is how is it that we're actually taking a community agenda, these community needs, and acting on them? We have to question the integrity of whether the system is actually invested in helping our communities, the people who are suffering. Because when we're not, then we're really misleading the public. And to ask, why, how come help us be involved when there's some of that underlying mistrust and distrust? All I could say is not so easy to do. And it's going to be hard to accomplish, right? Because in New Mexico, communities are deciding whether they should accept what you offer them. And if there's been instances where what's been offered has not been helpful, then guess what? It adds another layer of distrust or mistrust. To end off our interview, is there anything else you would like to add? We're at a point in our country where we need to now rethink what democracy is about. And is it really about the people for and by the people? And I would say is that if we cannot demonstrate how we do that for the betterment of all people, I think we need to step aside and not be in a role as a public servant or a public official. Because part of it is when we're serving particular interests and not for the betterment of our communities, our families, and our society, and our nation, I think we're contributing to something in in our history of America that is not something we should be enduring. We need to really now elevate public service like it happened back in the 60s, right, under President Kennedy. And I think we're at a point where we desperately need that. 
So I want to just add that I think uh, for whether it's a public health crisis or a national crisis, an economic crisis, we're at a point now in America where our leadership has to rise above all of those issues in a way that actually help protect our communities and our families. Fred, I really want to thank you for being here and sharing your personal story and also sharing your opinions and your views and your vision, your beautiful vision for our improved behavioral health system here in New Mexico. So thank you very much for coming here and sharing that with us. Tamara, good to see you. Thank you. Thank you, Fred, for working so hard with us on this campaign. And your interview has taught me that we are drastically underfunded. I am looking forward to the changes we will all bring together. Thank you, Fred, and National Latino Behavioral Health Association for being a partner on this campaign. The next song is from the band Evanescence with Hello. Listening to Evanescence growing up taught me that no matter what challenges we endure, we are not alone. Historically, New Mexico has had challenges in providing comprehensive and integrated services. In 2013, the state audited and accused 15 established behavioral health providers of fraud. Services were impacted. When the audits were conducted in 2013, it created a bigger problem to an already broken system. Many more people lost their services. An M Speaks Crisis campaign features community voices sharing about the gaps and also more importantly, some solutions needed to improve our behavioral health system. Tonight, we are honored to welcome Bernadette Dickinson, Bahati Ansari, Bill Wagner, Biana Chavez, Storm Lynn, Sam Innes, Selena Sanchez, Violet Martinez, and Senator Jerry Ortizzi Pino. Being a veteran, um, I have post-traumatic stress disorder. So I've been trying to find somebody who's actually really qualified in behavioral health, not just trying to shove medications down your throat. I live in the South Valley. It's the hardest thing to try to get a therapist. The hardest. If you look at the crisis in our state, the largest mental health facility is the Metropolitan Detention Center. We have more beds there with, that are filled with patients that have psychiatric needs than anywhere else. I don't think people are talking about mental health enough. Instead of realizing how important our behavioral health system was, we just kind of said, no, we can change it up. It's not a big deal. When I moved to New Mexico, um, there were really surprising things like someone suicidal in a rural area and there's no mental health services overnight or on the weekend and they're put in a jail cell. You can't expect a little clinic, a mom and pop shop, to be able to offer case management and a day program and aftercare and all of the rest of it. It's just not gonna happen that way. But if they were a satellite, I think that would be a model that really could work in this state. It's extremely difficult to find care because they just shut down all of the providers and there was nothing anybody could do about it. 
My experience with behavioral health um, have been like a roller coaster. Um, I started talk therapy roughly around the end of my grade school years. I've been on and off different medications, been diagnosed with multiple um, mental health disorders. My community support worker was the only one who was really helping me with life's difficulties. I was with her for a good three years. She just recently left. I got another community support worker through Open Skies. I had her for a month and then she left the facility. So now I have a new CSW. That happened with therapists, with psychiatrists. I've had over four psychiatrists in the past two years. It seemed funny because it was like the people who I, I really liked the most in that, in Whole Goddess, left when Open Skies became a thing. So I felt even more vulnerable being around professionals that I didn't know, I wasn't acquainted with, I hadn't had a year of experience with. It did take a toll on me, it was difficult going through that and it kind of made me almost not want to go back to get mental health help. I think that we're really bright and we could be thinking differently about healthcare and how to do it. In the same way that overlooking a broken arm can lead to catastrophic problems, overlooking uh, mental illness can lead to catastrophic problems. Treat my illness as though I've walked into your emergency room with a gunshot to my head. It's just that important. To stop treating us like animals because we're just people and we just need help. My message to legislators um, is that they need to take behavioral health seriously and we get funded for it and we find doctors, give doctors incentives to come to New Mexico within the behavioral health field. Ideally, what I would like to see would be regional mental health centers. If we had four regional mental health centers, each serving a quadrant of the state, we could build excellence into our system. We need to figure out a better way of using the state's money to complement and supplement the Medicaid program. I would think this coming session is one where we absolutely have to figure out a way to do that. But then it also takes the willingness of the administration to cooperate with us, because we can put the money in and if she vetoes it out, then it's gone. Thank you all for sharing these important experiences with us. Without you, it would be difficult to find the solutions for our broken system. Thank you to everyone for sharing your personal experiences with this behavioral health crisis. Violet's story struck me the most. It must, it must have been so hard for her to deal with so many therapists. If we had a comprehensive and integrated system, then no one would have to go through what she went through. The Rolling Stones gave us this song called 19th Nervous Breakdown in 1966. Enjoy. <laughs> We have reached a point in our show where we take some time to honor our community. Tonight we are joined by Adrian Carver of the New Mexico Forum for Youth and Community. 
The Forum is another collaborator with NM Speaks Crisis. HM will share about the upcoming Children and Youth Day at the legislature and important bills to look out for during this session. Now here's our very own Quetzpalin Mashika with Adrian Carver. Hello, my name is Quetzpalin Mashika, and I'm sitting here with Adrian Carver from the New Mexico Forum for Youth and Community. Adrian is an award-winning nonprofit professional who stands with marginalized communities with young people in New Mexico. Adrian, is there anything else you'd like to add about yourself? I don't think so. I'm really happy to be here with you today. Thank you. It's nice to have you on. Can you talk a little bit about Celebrating Children and Youth Day, which I know the New Mexico Youth Alliance helps to organize? Celebrating Children and Youth Day is on the opening day of New Mexico's state legislative session. It's an opportunity for young people and advocates for young people and their families to come together and help to set a precedent for the legislators to think about the lives of young people and their families and helping set this this ground floor of where we want legislators to go into supporting young people and their families. Uh, there's a coalition of organizations that have come together to plan this day. Uh, we'll be doing trainings on how to be an effective uh, community advocate at the legislature. We're also going to do a press conference where we'll release some data about the state of children and youth. And then after that, some of our uh, young people are going to come together and deliver what we call the State of New Mexico's Children and Youth Address. And that's just from young people's perspectives, what they think is going on in the state, where we could improve, and what legislators could do to increase the lives of young people. Can you tell me when this will be happening and how people can get involved? Yeah, it's the very first day of the legislative session, and that's January 19th. That'll be up in Santa Fe in the Roundhouse. So it's a really cool opportunity to go check out lawmaking in action. If people are interested in coming, uh, the press conference, the whole kind of thing kicks off at 10 o'clock in the Rotunda in Santa Fe on January 19th. So anyone can come? Yeah, anyone can come. We welcome young people from all across the state, their families, people who care about the lives of future generations of people living here in New Mexico are all welcome to come talk about the issues of how we can improve those lives. So during this upcoming legislative session, what are some bills that we should know about? That's a really great question. And every year there's so many pieces of proposed legislation that come forward. And there's probably not enough time to talk about all of them, but there, it's really important for young people to know that they can get involved with some of these issues. And especially in a election year, in a year where we're electing a president and all of the state legislators are gonna be reelected, this is a really great time to have your voice heard as a young person, to have your voice heard as a family member. And there's a lot of issues that are gonna come up. There's gonna be a whole onslaught of increases to criminal sentencing. So in reaction to some of the incidents that have happened recently in the past couple of years, the legislators are, are looking to increase penalties on violent crime. We'll see things like fixes to one of the hot topics is uh, driver's licenses. Legislators are gonna have a choice about how they're going to fix this issue of compliance with Real ID. So there's a federal law that requires that New Mexico creates our licenses in a certain way, and legislators are going to have a choice between becoming compliant with that 
federal law by discriminating against populations in New Mexico Mm -hmm. or not discriminating against populations in New Mexico. And for a lot of our young people, I think that's a pretty clear choice. Another really important one specifically for young people is the proposal to allow cities and counties to enact curfews on minors. It's also a Band-Aid fix, and we, we want to make sure that we aren't criminalizing our young people, that our young people are the solution, not the problem. So that's going to be a really hot topic. That's House Bill um, 29, and, and I would encourage young people to stand up and, and talk about their, their rights. There's going to be a whole lot of uh, pieces of legislation about reproductive health. I, I think that there's a lot of people out there that, that want to protect reproductive health access for young people in New Mexico. And this is an important one for, I think, a lot of young people. It's House Bill 55, amending the New Mexico Religious Freedom Act. And that's a piece of legislation that could allow individuals to use their own religion to discriminate against another person because of their identity. And so I think there's some really dangerous things that are being proposed in, in that piece of legislation that, that young people need to take a look at and decide for themselves where they stand on this issue of equality and equity. So how can people stay updated on these bills and know how they're progressing? That's another great question because we want young people to have the skills to be able to follow some of these pieces of legislation. So my recommendation would be to choose some of these proposals that have come out that you're really passionate about, that you have an opinion about and and you want to do something about. Typically, there will be an organization that is working on that legislation, and um, those would be great places to to go reach out to places like Strong Families New Mexico or Equality New Mexico or New Mexico Voices for Children or the New Mexico Forum for Youth and Community to look to them for some of ways to engage on some of these issues. There's also, like I said, our our, uh, our legislators are pretty accessible, so if you care about an issue, you I really encourage you to talk to your legislator and tell them that you care about this issue and you'd like to get updates. You can talk to them about how you feel about it. And it's a great way of building this relationship to actually enact change. And, and young people have that power in New Mexico. And that's really important. So what can young people like me then do to be more involved in legislative session? Like you said, contacting our legislators, but what about getting other people involved? Do you know anything about that? Well, social media is a really great tool to be able to have a conversation about some of these issues at school, in the classroom, on social media, and have real conversations about some of these proposals, whether you like them, whether you don't like them, and then encourage people to contact their legislators and to talk to the people who are making the decisions about your lives. And if you go on nmlegis.gov, which is the state legislature's website, there's a whole lot of information about how you can contact every single legislator. There's a bunch of information on there. So that's another great place to uh, stay updated on, on the bill's What I'm getting from this is that it's really important that young people have an opinion and they actually know what's going on in the legislature. So is there anything else you'd like to add? So I just I encourage everybody to take a deep look inside yourself and think about what you care about and figure out a way to make sure that your voice is heard, because it's really easy to do. Thank you so much, Adrian, for all the work that you do for young people in our community and for informing all of us about the new legislative session. 
Thank you, Quetzpoli Mexica and Adrian Carver for giving us updates on what bills we should look out for. Yes, thank you, Adrian, for joining us and letting us know about Children and Youth Day. We have another important event we would like to share with you. Behavioral health is such a big issue. On Tuesday, January 12th, the Bernalillo County Commission will hear a presentation recommending uses for the county's new behavioral health gross receipts tax. The public is invited to attend the meeting to hear the CPI's report. The community is welcome to speak during public comment period to tell commissioners what their priorities are for using the new funding. The meeting will begin at 5 p.m. in the commission chambers located in the basement of the city county building, 1 Civic Plaza Northwest. People wishing to speak need to be at the chambers to sign up before the meeting starts at 5. The public comment period usually starts at 5.30. The CPI's presentation likely won't begin until 6.30 or 7. Our next song tonight is Oh My God by Ida Maria. Find a cure, find a cure for my life, find a cure, find a cure for my life, find a cure, find a cure for my life, find a cure, find a cure for my life, oh my God, oh, you think I'm in control, oh my God, oh you think it's all for fun, oh my God, Thank you for joining us this evening. To learn more about this and then speaks crisis campaign, Thank you to Fred Sandoval of the Nation, National Latino Behavioral Health Association. Thank you to Teresa Gonzalez of the La Placita Institute and Adrian Carver from the New Mexico Forum for Youth and Community. We would like to thank Bernadette Dickinson, Bahadi Ansari, Bill Wagner, Beana Chavez, Storm Lynn, Sam Innes, Selena Sanchez, Viola Martinez, and Senator Jerry Ortiz Pino. Thank you for sharing your personal behavioral health experiences with us. Please go to NM Speaks Crisis webpage where you can tell your own story and sign the petition. Tamara Kolaki and Quetzpalin Mexica did a great job with the interviews tonight. Tonight's program was produced by Generation Justice staff Melissa Harris, George Luna Peña, and Roberta Rael. Editing by Tamara Kolaki, Kateri Zuni, Polly Denekla, Christina Rodriguez, and Camria Umi. And last but certainly not least, much appreciation to all of our youth members here at Generation Justice. We couldn't do what we do without you. Stay connected with us by checking out our website, generationjustice.org, where you can listen to our past radio programs, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and much, much more. Our podcasts are also available on iTunes, so be sure to subscribe. We're also active on social media, so please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the McCune Foundation. And a special thank you to the Colne Alma Health Foundation for supporting GJ's Behavioral Health Multimedia Campaign. And of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking Donate. I'm your host, Erwin Rivera. And I'm your co-host, Tamara Kalaki. To end our program tonight, we will leave you with a few closing songs. Up next on KUNM is Spoken Word. See you next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Daliha.
send my friends away to mansions cold and grey, to the far side of town where the thin men stalk the streets while the signs die underground. Day after day, they tell me I can go. They tell me I can blow to the far side of town, where it's pointless to be high, 'cause it's such a long.